Welcome to St. Andrew and to our virtual worship for the 14th week of Pentecost. In addition to welcoming you to our online worship, we also invite you to join us for worship in person as you are so led, and also to check out all the opportunities for ministry, both in person and online at mystandrew.org. Blessings to you in your worship today and in all of your life as we begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us pray. Almighty God, merciful Father, we confess to you all of our sins and iniquities with which we have offended you and justly deserved your punishment. We have sinned against you and one another in our thoughts, words, and actions by what we have done and by what we have left undone. O Lord, hear our cries for mercy as we seek your forgiveness and grace. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you, and for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. It is by the passion, death, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ that I, his unworthy servant, announce this grace of God to all of you, and I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Hear the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, take one or two others along with you, so that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the offender refuses to listen even to the church, let such a one be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. Hi everyone. In today's Bible story, Jesus says, where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. When we come together to pray, worship, and learn more about our faith, Jesus is with us. This verse reminds us that we do not need to gather in large groups for Jesus to be there. So how can we gather as brothers and sisters in Christ during this time of separation? Maybe you can pray at the dinner table before eating with your family. Maybe you and your family can watch church on TV or worship together. Maybe you can call or FaceTime a friend and talk with them about Jesus. This week, try to find at least one way to activate your faith with someone around you. Remember, Jesus is with us when we gather with just two or three people. And he will be with us just the same when we can all gather together again one day. Let's fold our hands, bow our heads, and say a prayer. Dear God, thank you for giving us people to walk this faith journey with. Help us to stay hopeful during this time of separation and remind us that you are with us in everything we do. We love you so much. In your name we pray, amen.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, this morning, I want to start off by talking to you a little bit about something that I'm sure Pastor Mark has mentioned over the years, and something that I think I've mentioned once or twice before, but uh, something that I think is helpful to be reminded of from time to time, especially when uh, we're talking about Scripture, uh, and that is context is important. Uh, and I say this because, trust me, as someone who, you know, says, I can do all things who strengthen me when I'm trying to run four miles, I know that it's not really a good thing to just pick and choose Bible verses whenever we want to fit any aspect of our lives. Uh, the reality is the Bible is a unified story, and so those verses come with a specific context. And as I was reading through our text this morning, I couldn't help but feel like we need to expand the context. If I only talk to you about verses 15 to 20 of Matthew 18, I might miss out on just some of what Jesus is saying in regards to the larger message he preaches in the Gospel of Matthew. And so, in order to highlight the context, I want to take you all the way back to Matthew chapter 4. In fact, Matthew 4, of course, is right before the Sermon on the Mount, that famous sermon, Matthew chapters 5 through 7. And this verse comes after Jesus has been tempted in the wilderness by the devil. So it's Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. And this is what it says. As Jesus begins his earthly ministry, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, that message here is central to Jesus' entire preaching and teaching in the Gospel of Matthew, but just in general, that the kingdom of heaven has come near. In fact, in the Gospel of Matthew alone, uh, that phrase, the kingdom of heaven, is used 31 different times uh, to highlight how significant the kingdom of heaven is in Jesus' preaching and his teaching. And it's important to remember that when Jesus was born, he brought the kingdom of heaven here on earth to us. And so what Jesus is doing by constantly proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven has come near and that the kingdom of heaven is here is, well, what I like to call uh, Jesus is establishing kingdom culture. And what I mean by that is Jesus is preaching and teaching and he is telling us about how things are going to be in the kingdom of heaven. And throughout his ministry, this is something that Jesus does. He over and over talks about how things are going to be one day in the kingdom of heaven. He talks about the shared values, the patterns of behavior, uh, the things that are part of culture. And so what Jesus does by talking about the kingdom of heaven in his preaching and teaching is establishing how things are going to be in the kingdom of heaven. He's establishing kingdom culture. So, uh, with that in mind, it makes sense that in Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 1, just before our text for today, the disciples asked Jesus this question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? When Jesus answers this question, he goes into various examples of how this question might play out in the disciples' lives. And, in fact, one of those ways is found in our text this morning. See, in verses 15 to 20, Jesus lays out how one fellow church member should approach another church member 
whenever they sin against them. Essentially, Jesus is talking about how to approach someone when you have been wronged by them or when you are uh, uh, hurt by them. Basically, Jesus is talking to his disciples about how to approach someone who does something wrong to you, who sins against you. So he tells the disciples in Matthew 18, verse 15, If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. Now I want to point out first what Jesus is not saying in this text. See, uh, what Jesus is not saying here is he's not telling you to uh, go out on Facebook and call out the person who has wronged you so that everyone else can see that this person has done something wrong to you. He is also not saying that you should send an email to a large group of people, including the person that wronged you, so that everyone knows that someone wronged you. And even though it's very clear who did it, you never actually say their name. You just send that email so that everyone can know. Jesus is also not saying that you should try to shame the person who has wronged you. Shaming them so fact into embarrassment and guilt so that they ever don't even want to try and talk to you. None of those things are what Jesus is trying to say to us this morning or what he was trying to say to the disciples back then. And yet, it seems like this is something our world is wrapped up in. Yes, even those of us who are Christians. Maybe you have found yourself feeling tempted or perhaps even participating in some of this activity. And this, in fact, reminds me of a different kind of culture that's pretty popular in our world today. Uh, It's called cancel culture. And at the very core of cancel culture, uh, the objective is to effectively cut out and cut down people who have wronged you or disagree with you and make sure that you try to completely wipe their presence either from your life and, if possible, from the lives of other people. Um, Often, this involves bringing up their past sins and even their present sins so that people, everyone can know that this person has wronged you, they've done wrong things in the past, and so they deserve to be canceled. Now, what makes this even more enticing is perhaps that by canceling someone, you try to get others to join you. Uh, Of course, when you have other people who support you, it feels like you're doing the right thing so often. And so, essentially... The purpose of canceling someone is to effectively gain other people's support around you to cancel someone, uh, to effectively cut someone else off for their past actions to make sure how everyone knows how shameful they were and ultimately that they don't deserve a chance to even rebuttal or speak. No, they just deserve to be canceled. See, uh, this cancel culture It can seem so consuming, and yet it seems so enticing. But it's kind of not what Jesus is saying here. In fact, it's the opposite of what Jesus is saying. See, uh, because what cancer culture says is rather than having to go and have a difficult conversation with your fellow brother or sister, you get to avoid them completely. Rather than trying to address the situation at hand with them in a personal manner, you get to shame them from afar and never really have to deal with what might be said on either side. And in fact, you can add the other people in 
so that everyone just kind of supports you as if somehow because that person has wronged you and they've done past wrongs, your wrongs are now irrelevant. Effectively, a cancer culture sounds so temp- temptation, it's so filled with this desire of something that we want to do. It sounds so tempting. But the truth is, there's no place for cancel culture in kingdom culture. See, in fact, kingdom culture is the complete opposite of cancel culture. Uh, Listen to Jesus' words once again from Matthew 18, verse 15. If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. So again, I want to point out what Jesus isn't saying here. Jesus isn't saying that you should just avoid all of your brother's and sister's sins. Jesus isn't saying that you should somehow sweep them under the rug and never have to deal with them. Instead, what Jesus is saying is that we need to make a personal effort to reach out to our fellow brother and sister when they sin against us and to have the difficult conversation. Jesus is reminding us that as members of the kingdom, we need to seek a relationship of confession and forgiveness. See, because the reality is, what Jesus is saying to the disciples and to me and to you is that the whole purpose of addressing your fellow member, addressing your brother and sister who has wronged you in the first place, is to gain them back. That's how things work according to kingdom culture. If there was anyone who could have canceled everyone and everything, it would be Jesus. But rather than cancel those who wanted him arrested, Jesus prays for them. Rather than cancel the unclean and the needy and those who are not seen as worthy, Jesus eats with them. He breaks bread with them. Rather than cancel the ones who are filled with sin and riddled with guilt, Jesus dies for them. And through his death and his glorious resurrection, he restores their relationship with their Heavenly Father. This is what Jesus does for me and for you. He restores our relationship with our Heavenly Father because instead of canceling us, he redeems us. You know, I mentioned earlier that Uh, When Jesus is talking about how things happen in the kingdom of heaven, uh, he's often talking about, you know, establishing kingdom culture, telling us how things are going to be one day when we're in the kingdom of heaven, as if it's a future reality. But I feel the need to clarify because the truth is Jesus is also establishing how things are right now. Remember, uh, when Jesus was born, he brought the kingdom of heaven here to us. And so, Even in this very moment, we are living as members of the kingdom of heaven. We are already living according to kingdom culture, which means that our lives are different. We've been called to live different lives according to kingdom culture. I mean, think about it. Every week here in worship, when we come, we confess our sins and we seek God's mercy and his forgiveness. And... 
our relationship is restored by God because he is faithful and just. He forgives our sins. He cleanses us from all of our unrighteousness because of Jesus. Our relationship is made new. Our relationship is restored with our Heavenly Father. And so in that same way, we seek our fellow brothers and sisters, our fellow members of the body of Christ, seeking them out, hoping that in the midst of a personal and perhaps difficult conversation, we can confess and forgive with one another. Instead of trying to uh, bring up other sins, instead of trying to cancel someone, there's no desire to bring up the past, the present, or the future sins, but instead restore the here and the now, restore the relationship. The desire is to restore that which was broken. The desire is to heal the wounds that bind us. Uh, The desire, the hope, is to restore the relationship with your fellow brother and sister in Christ. Because that is what Jesus does for you. And the truth is, this will not be perfect in our earthly lives, and so we will never see it perfected here on earth. And yet, the culture, the lifestyle, the behaviors, the acts, all the glorious things of the kingdom of heaven are taking place right here and right now. In our passage this morning, Jesus reminds us that we don't live according to the culture of the world. We live according to the kingdom of heaven, according to kingdom culture. And Jesus constantly shows us how to live according to kingdom culture. In his preaching, his teaching, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his eternal reign. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, You are a member of the kingdom of heaven. Cancel culture is not for you, and therefore, you live according to kingdom culture. And in the kingdom, you have been restored. You have been redeemed by the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And therefore, you can seek to restore your fellow brother and sister in Christ even when they sin against you. Because that's what Jesus does for you. And so we must do that for one another. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
God has made us his people through our baptism into Christ Jesus. Living together in trust and in hope, we confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Trusting in the mercy and grace of God, let us pray. With thanksgiving for all your blessings and your constant faithfulness to us, we pray, O oh God, for your church, that through its ministry of reconciliation in Christ, your transforming love may be revealed in every place. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Trusting in your grace, we pray for the world, for all refugees and displaced people, for the homeless, the poor, the hungry, and the oppressed, that in you they may find their lasting shelter and eternal hope. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our nation, now divided by civil, political, economic, and racial strife, for reconciliation, justice, and peace in our cities, and for leaders who will be peacemakers in all they say and do. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
for those who suffer in the pandemic, for all who minister to them, for those who struggle to recover from natural disaster, for all who suffer and heal, and for those who mourn, that you will comfort, strengthen, and bless them with hope and love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For students and teachers, parents, schools and colleges, and all who work to provide excellence in education, that you will be in their midst, guard and protect them, and remain their source of wisdom and knowledge. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. According to your steadfast love, O God, hear these and all the prayers we commend to you, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord.